Mark chapter 1, verse 36 to verse 39 is our text this morning. And hopefully you have an outline in front of you. I have one somewhere. Which says, living for the kingdom. Living for the kingdom. Uh, If you haven't got one, you can definitely grab one out there. You should have some spare copies. Now imagine with me that God is thinking about your life right now. At this very moment. What does God make of it? What does God make of your priorities in life? Do you think God is after the same goals that you are pursuing? Or not? Do you think God is after the same success that you are running after? Or not? Well, we are currently in Mark. As you know, we've been going through this book verse by verse. The message of Mark is that the top priority of God on earth is to establish his kingdom. It is to establish the kingdom of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We might say that success for God is to see the kingdom of his world become the kingdom of his beloved son, the Lord Jesus. You're wondering what is God up to? That is what God is up to. That is what God is busy with. And that means success for God in your life It's for you to be part of this kingdom. This amazing kingdom of God. Not just to be part of it, but to live for his kingdom. To live in such a way that you are advancing the kingdom of God. Moving forward his agenda on this earth. So the question we are asking, as you know, we've been going through Mark, verse for verse, as I said, and the question we are asking as we look at verse 36 to verse 39 is this. How do we live successfully for God in this world? Look with me at verse 36 of Mark chapter 1. And there are a number of truths I just want to draw out as we, we work through these verses. The first truth I want you to see from these verses is that sometimes we, even followers of Jesus, want worldly success. Sometimes we are tempted by worldly success. As you know from verse 35, from verse 35, Mark has just told us that Jesus is praying in a quiet, deserted place. And we spent two sermons on that last week. And we can picture Jesus there on his knees in conversation with his heavenly father. He has come to pray to seek his strength, is coming before God. And now Mark, like a film director, uh, switches his camera, if you like, away from Jesus in that deserted place in Capernaum. He switches his camera to some men walking around Capernaum. Uh, they are looking very busy. <laughs> they are in a hurry. They are asking everyone they meet questions. And they are asking, where is Jesus? They are looking for him everywhere. Let's read on verse 36. And Simon, where Jesus was staying, and those who were with him, that is, of course, Andrew, James, and John, searched for him. They searched for Jesus. Jesus has woken up in the morning, and they are looking for him now. They don't know where he is. And many of us receive guests in our home. 
Right? What is the first question we usually ask them when we see them in the morning? They've come over to stay with us. What's the first question we normally ask them? When we say, hello, how are you? What's the first question we ask them? We ask them, did you sleep well? We are concerned with their sleeping in our houses, and we want to know, did they sleep, have a good night? Well, <laughs> Simon's guest is missing. Uh, he can't ask that question of Jesus, because Jesus has disappeared in the middle of the night, so to speak. Early in the morning, we said probably about 4 a.m. So humanly speaking, we can understand why Simon and his friends are how they're looking for Jesus. There's a part of them that genuinely wants to know, is Jesus okay? He came over, he stayed with us, he disappeared in the middle of the night. Let's just check that he's fine. That is a part of them that is like that. But you see, as soon as Simon and his friend find Jesus, we see there is more to it than just good hospitality. <laughs> Listen to what they say as soon as they found Jesus in verse 37. Let's read on. Verse 36, and Simon and those who are with him searched for him, that is Jesus, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, as we read through Mark, you have to closely listen to what the text is saying. And if we put ourselves there and we listen closely to the tone of what these men are saying to Jesus, we can hear a rebuke in their tone. What they're saying is, where have you been? Uh, everybody needs you, and you've been out here all along praying in the desert. The disciples are disappointed with Jesus. They're disappointed because, you see, they want a repeat of Saturday. As you know, on Saturday, during the Sabbath, we read, we read the verses prior to verse 35. Jesus had been healing. Verse 33 and 34 says the whole town had come to see, to be at on Peter's house, and he had healed many who were sick and driven out demons. And the disciples want a repeat of this because the mob is back. And they want to see more miracles. But the problem is Jesus is gone missing. He's out in the desert, in a deserted place, in a solitary place, praying. If you like, they want Jesus to make it big. So they want him back now to Simon Peter's house. If Jesus is big, then we'll be big. We want big audiences. Applause and power. The disciples want success in this life. They do want Jesus. They are followers of Jesus. They've left everything to follow him. We know that from verse 16 to verse 20. And yet, they still want things of this world. They are following Jesus, and also they are working hard to get as much out of this life as they can. Their hearts are divided. Do you recognize this in your life? I recognize this in my life. You're trusting in Jesus. And yet, strangely, there's a part of you that wants other things. You have come to Jesus and repented of your sin. And yet, at the same time, you feel drawn to other things. You feel drawn to other things in your life to make your life more complete. For, for these guys, it's applause and other things. The whole town, they want to see that. For you, it might be different. Because you see, for some of you, you are saying to yourself, I need Jesus. And I need to look beautiful for everyone else to see me. I need Jesus. And I need to be married. Otherwise, I won't be happy. 
I need Jesus and I want my children to be superstars. I need Jesus and I need a better job. I need Jesus, but I need more money in my bank account. That's really what's going to make me just more complete. I need Jesus, but I need my hobbies. I need my love of gardening. I need my love of book reading. I need my love of whatever, movie watching, or other things that you feel in some way make you more complete. These things are not bad in and of themselves. They are not. They are, in fact, some of them gifts from God. The problem is that Jesus is not enough for you without these things. It is not just enough to have Jesus. You want a perfect church. We all should work towards that. The problem is that Jesus is not enough for you without these things. You can't do without them. And as long as you can't do without them, you're not happy. And the result is that your life with Jesus now revolves around these things. You see, you only do things for Jesus if Jesus helps you have a better job. You only attend church when you're in a good mood. <laughs> you have to be in a good mood to be in church. Otherwise, you're not coming to church. And the result is you sacrifice very little for Jesus in your life. Because you see, Jesus exists like that advert on TV to quote you happy. You come to Jesus and say, quote me happy. You need Jesus and you need these other things. We're all like that. And the tragedy is that many of us, sadly, think we are living for God when in fact we are living for worldly success. You and God are not on the same page. You see, God wants you to live for kingdom success. He wants you to live just as the Lord Jesus is doing in this faith, uh, in, the, in, this, in this passage. And that is the second truth we learn in the passage before us. The second truth in our outline is that Jesus wants kingdom success. So for us, we want, well, sometimes we want worldly success. But our Lord Jesus, our Savior, the soon coming King wants kingdom success. Let us rejoin Mark. So let's rejoin Mark. The disciples want Jesus to go back with them and be with the crowd. How does Jesus react to their quiet rebuke? <laughs> Do you see that? Jesus does not tell them off. He just patiently clarifies for them that he has come to do something else. He has come to offer the kingdom of God to everyone. Look at verse 38. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. I want us to pause here and note something very important. I want us to note just how patient, how gentle, how loving the Lord Jesus Christ is. He's not giving up on these foolish guys. And he doesn't give up on us when we are foolish, no matter how foolish we are. If we have truly repented and come to faith in him, we may mess up, we may even rebuke God sometimes. But Jesus is, doesn't give up on us. And maybe this morning, he just says to us, look at verse 38, 
let us go on to the next town. He said, look, I'm not leaving you guys behind. I came out to pray, and I want you with me. We should note that here. Because maybe you are a person who has, who has recently stumbled in some sin. Or perhaps you have an ongoing addictive addiction to some sin. And your failures are weighing heavily on you. And as we stumble in some sin, or sometimes we keep getting up and falling down, sometimes what happens is that we, uh, you know, our spirits get weighed down. And God starts feeling very distant from us. And maybe you are a person who has just regular periods of feeling like life is unbearable. And you want to hide from people and even Jesus. The, the reformer Martin Luther experienced such, isn't it? He wrote, for more than a week, I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost to me. The Scottish reformer John Knox also experienced it. He once prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and put an end to this miserable life. Whatever situation you find yourself in, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you with this passage. Jesus is not going anywhere. He's still saying to you, let us together go and do, go to the next town, so to speak. He's saying, I am here to stay. If you are in Jesus, your burdens have been lifted on Calvary. So there is no need to despair. Go to Jesus and let him refresh you in his love. Jesus is wonderful like that. He's amazing like that. Jesus is available to you because successful Jesus, you see, means bringing the rule of God to people like you who do not deserve it. Uh, Jesus is not looking at what you bring to the table, friends. Jesus is looking at what he brings to your table, so to speak. And he's on a mission to bring sinners like you and I to God. Look at verse 38 to verse 39. Again, this is his mission. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach, proclaim there also, the kingdom, so to speak. For that is what I came for. And verse 39 tells us, and this is what Jesus does, and he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Mark, of course, does not tell us here what Jesus is preaching. He doesn't have to, because if you've been with us already, and if you know your scriptures, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15 has already told us what Jesus has come to preach. The mission of Jesus is explained there. Look at verse 14 to verse 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. What is he preaching? Proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel of God, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news. And we can summarize what Jesus is preaching in two things, isn't it? First, Jesus is preaching that God has come to reign as king through Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it, it's not a question of time. It's a question of proximity. You can touch it. You can feel it. Because in Jesus, the kingdom of God has appeared in person. That's the first thing he's preaching. The king has come. Secondly, Jesus is telling all of us, we must turn from sin and trust in Jesus. In the gospel. And the good news of the kingdom here we see is that Jesus has not only come to save us from sin, he has come to deliver us from the power of sin and Satan and to give us spiritual health. 
We've discussed that already. We saw that picture as he healed Simon's, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. As he gave her that spiritual, that health, that is a sign that is, that is pointing forward to spiritual health, he, the new kingdom is bringing, the kingdom of God is bringing. And here we saw when he, when he cast out the demons. And here again, notice what Jesus is doing. He's casting out the demons in verse 39. Let's read that again. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Uh, the, the, the casting out of demons here is meant to symbolize that Jesus has come to set human beings free from the power of Satan forever. And this defeat of evil and Satan is ultimately demonstrated in the cross of Jesus. Because you see, on the cross, Jesus takes on our sins. He takes on your sins by dying the death you rightly deserve. He takes on your sins, and by taking on your sin, he robs Satan of his power and any accusation he can bring, and he wipes the slate clean before God through his cross. And Jesus, on the third day, God raises him up from death. And as Jesus rises from death, we who are with him in trusting in Christ also have now risen to new life. Satan, death, and hell has been defeated forever. And if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, you have new life with God. You have a life of eternal peace and joy of knowing God. Your future is secure. Heaven is guaranteed. Your name is written, so to speak, in the Lamb's book of life. This is the life God wants for every human being to have. And success for Jesus means taking this good news to the world so that they can repent and find faith in him. Because as long as they don't hear the good news and as long as they don't repent, they can't be part of the kingdom of God. So success for God is taking the good news out there. And this is the mission of every follower of Jesus. It is your mission, your number one priority in life is here. It is the number one priority for Jesus and it is the number one priority for you. And that brings us to the final observation this morning. The final observation is that all followers, all true followers of Jesus, live to share Jesus. All followers of Jesus live to share Jesus. So point number one, sometimes we want worldly success. But if we know we are in Christ, we should recognize that Jesus is after kingdom success. So if we are true followers of Jesus, how should we live? Well, we should, followers of Jesus, live to share the good news of the kingdom, to preach the kingdom, to share Jesus with others. And that's our final point. Let's read, let, let, notice, notice if you look at this passage, that when Jesus, in verse 16 to 20, first called the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, what did he do? He told them that they were now going to become Fishers of men. And we spent some time looking at that. The sermon was entitled, Answer the Call, isn't it? We had to answer the call to make fishers of men, to partner with Jesus in fishing for sinners. Well, that's what's happened to disciples. They've been made followers of Jesus. But after a short time, uh, those disciples we meet in verse 16 to 20, not long ago they had left everything. Well, they are now being distracted, isn't it? By the enticement of the world. So in verse 38, look at verse 38. Jesus is reminding them and us that we must keep our focus on his mission. 
which is to go to the next towns that will, as Jesus says, that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. That is my mission. Jesus is just clarifying his agenda and he's saying, look guys, I know you've left everything to follow me, but you have become distracted here. Look again what I'm up to. This is what I want you to focus on, to share the good news of the kingdom. And, and that's what Jesus is saying to you today. Are you a follower of Jesus this morning? Really, you've been converted and you've come to serving faith in Christ. Jesus is saying to you, don't live for this world. You must now live to share my message with people who have not surrendered to me. And this is the success God wants for your life. Uh, this is the number one priority for you and his church. To be people who point others to Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, let us go to the next towns. That I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. And some of you here are already doing that. You are living to share Jesus. You know Jesus is so amazing. And you desperately want people around you to know him. You see, when you see your neighbors, you who reject Jesus, your heart is grieved for them. You know Jesus loves them and they are rejecting him. And that grieves your heart. When you're talking to your friends, Jesus is on your mind and you are asking God for wisdom and opportunity to share Jesus with them. I know some of you are on your knees pleading with Jesus for boldness, courage, and even wisdom to speak to people in your lives who do not know Jesus. You are praying for family members to be saved. You are praying for those unbelieving colleagues at work that you may have amazing gospel opportunities to speak to them about Jesus. I know some of you are sacrificing your leisure time to partner with others in the fellowship, to take Jesus out to the streets, or to to, to meet with others over coffee and talk to them about Jesus. You are asking me, how can I evangelize better? What more training, pastor, do I need to make Jesus, to share Jesus with others? You are constantly bringing to my attention people that you are praying for to be saved. You are living to share Jesus. And as you do that, there are costs attached to that. It's not easy. Sometimes we get discouraged. I get discouraged. Sometimes we don't see the results of our work. Sometimes we are busy for God and the devil is just as busy to distract us. And that can be very discouraging in your life as you take Jesus and share him with others. Well, beloved, let this passage encourage you. If that is you, if you have this burning desire, you are sharing Jesus with the world. Keep pressing forward in sharing Jesus. You are doing His work. This is a success God wants. This is what Jesus is about. You are right in the center of God's will. And it's wonderful. And it is marvelous in the Lord's sight. So be encouraged. Some of you want to share Jesus with others. You want to see people come to know Jesus. And yet, if you're honest, you do not share Jesus. You believe in Jesus, but just, it's just difficult for you somehow to share Jesus with others. I don't know why that is. Maybe you, some of you feel out of depth just sharing Jesus. That, so many of us feel like that, don't we? We all do. 
Or maybe it's just a fear of man. As I think about sometimes why I don't speak to people, I have to admit that sometimes it's a fear of man. I want people to think well of me. We all do. And if we share Jesus with them, it might ruin how they look at us. We can't quite strongly say we are ashamed of Jesus. It's just that we are afraid of people. There are many reasons. You may have your own reason why you're struggling to share Christ, even though you want Jesus shared. Well, whatever your reasons are, I want you to listen again to verse 38. And again, pay close attention to them. And he said to them, Let us, let us, let us, let us go to the next towns. Jesus here is saying to them, follow my lead. I am with you. In fact, he goes on to say that I may preach there also. He said, look, we are in this together. I'm leading this. So, so, so my encouragement to you is that if you want to share Jesus and you feel unable, go to Jesus now. Ask God for boldness. And there I say, ask God for easy opportunities as well. I mean, I think it's okay to go to Jesus and say, Look, Lord, I just want to do, can you give me some easy wins here? The Lord understands our weakness. Start from there. Some of us are not even praying for easy wins, easy opportunities. We are not praying for opportunities at all. And the Lord wants us to go to him to ask for strength. And as you go to him, remember, God has already given you help. The church. I want you to read that verse again. And he said to them, let us go. Let us, let us, let us. As I was looking at this verse, those two words captured me. Let us. I think Jesus can do this alone. He can. He really can. He doesn't need a team. But Jesus is not Captain Solo. He is not out there doing his work by himself. He knows that the kingdom of God comes through preaching, yes, but it also advances, sorry, it advances through community. Jesus is not out there doing things on his own. He does not expect you either to do things on your own. He's saying, we are family here. And he's building this team together. He's building the church. And I want to encourage you, if you have a burden to share Christ, recognize that you must be part of the fellowship. You must be in the church. A member, active, sharing with others. You see, Jesus has given you his people in this fellowship. If humanly speaking, the Lord Jesus needs, so to speak, Peter, in its, in its, in its James and and John and the rest, to be alongside him, humanly speaking, you need a team as well. You need the fellowship here. You need people in this church to pray for you. You need people in this fellowship to partner with you in sharing Christ. You need the church to give you all the help you need, and we are here to do that. But above all, friends, you need accountability. Going to share Jesus is war, friends. You are advancing into enemy territory. And you need people that can pray for you. And the Lord has given you these amazing provisions. Right in this text we can see them. And therefore you have no reason not to share Jesus with others. So go to Jesus. 
Pray. Ask him to open new doors. Ask him to use this church to support you further in how you share Christ. That's for some of you who really want to share Jesus, but you're struggling. Some of you, sadly, the third category, have no desire to share Jesus. I have to admit, there are some here for whom all of this is irrelevant and even boring. And the question I have for you is very simple. Are you converted? Are you converted? You see, the early church father, John Chrysostom, said, I cannot believe in the salvation of anyone who does not work for his neighbor's salvation. That's what Chrysostom says. You can ask our brother Nick, Nick perhaps, where that quote is. But afterwards... But I cannot believe in the salvation of anyone who does not work for his neighbor's salvation. And he's right, isn't he? Of course, John Chrysostom, he must be right. One of the marks you belong to Jesus is that you not only speak to God, you also desire to tell others about how lovely Jesus is. You don't just pray, you preach. The person who does not have a desire to tell others about Jesus has not experienced what it means to be forgiven of their sins. She does not love Jesus intimately, and therefore she has no desires to tell others how amazing Jesus is. She doesn't know. She doesn't know his love, so what can she tell others? She's not being pulled by that love to tell others. She does not feel the weight of her sins. So therefore she doesn't know what it means for the heavy load of sin to be lifted off your shoulder and to say, oh, I'm free, I'm free. She does not love Jesus intimately. And she does not think hell is a real place of unspeakable torments. Yes, she's heard sermons about hell, but she doesn't think hell is real. You know why? Because she's not in a hurry to tell others to flee from hell and it's terrible right. She cannot speak about the danger of sin because she has not felt the true danger of sin. And she has not been saved from it. She's not yet born again. One of the best pastoral advice I've ever been given was way before I even became a pastor. And it was from a dear old saint at Thamesmead. And as I was a church secretary, I'd go around and I'd tell people, you know, we need to go out there to evangelize. We need to love one another. We need to, when visitors come, we need to shower them with love. We need to know that Jesus is alive and he's kicking and he wants to serve everyone. I used to say that as a secretary. And the old lady put me aside and said, sure, <laughs> young man, <laughs> slow down, slow down. They, these people can't give what they don't have. Look at them. They can give what they don't have. We didn't have a pastor then. I wasn't going to report her to the pastor, but she had a point, isn't it? And we can bang on people to do things. But friends, dead people can't talk. And if we're going to share Jesus, we must be changed inside. And if you have zero desire, I'm not saying if you don't have any desire to share Jesus with others, if all of this is boring, then I have good news for you, actually. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And he wants to save you right now from your terrible predicament you're in. 
The truth is you are currently far from God and heading for eternal punishment. And though your life in this world seems like a success, the truth is that you are riding a plane without a pilot. It will only end in everlasting disaster. But Jesus, you see, is full of love and mercy and he does not want you far from him. His success for him is to bring you into the kingdom of God. He wants you to enjoy life with him in the kingdom of God forever. If you accept you are a sinner, if you accept that you cannot save yourself from sin and sin, beloved, we have to get this point. You've got to accept you cannot save yourself from sin, otherwise you are not converted. You've got to accept that your deeds are like filthy rags. Otherwise, you are not converted. Whether you're already a member or not is beside the point. You must accept that you're a sinner. And you must accept that only the death of Jesus can save you. If that is you, then come before Jesus now. Ask for his mercy. Ask the Lord Jesus to save you from sin. And you will do it right now. This very moment, Jesus will free you from the grip of sin and Satan. He will give you a new heart and he will welcome you in his kingdom. And remember what I said at the start. Remember that question. If God is thinking about your life right now, what does God make of your goals and your priorities? Well, if you are turning to him today, God will look at your life and with great delight will say, he is now living in my kingdom. Not just living my kingdom, he's living for my kingdom. Because as you are converted, you have new desire to share Jesus with others. To see his kingdom expand. Well, may the Lord Jesus enable you to receive this preaching of his kingdom. And may he help you to share Jesus with others. Amen.